Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Good to see you guys here. There's a, there's a couple people here. We got everybody filling out the chairs and stuff, so that's good. Um, just pray with me real quick before we get into this. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy just poured out into us. Always, always. Help me to decrease so that you might increase, Lord. Help this message reach hearts that it needs to reach. And just open our ears and our minds so that we can receive it, Lord. I just, I want to thank you for this week. I pray that you put a hedge of protection around those who are traveling to go visit family. And that you keep us safe, Lord. And that in all things we might be able to trust in you, Lord. Just give us that faith. In Christ's precious name, amen. All right, so uh, we're going to be going back into our text of Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 23, and uh, we're just going to reread that for you guys, reiterate it some more, because by the end of this Advent series, you guys are going to know it uh, like the back of your hand. So the supremacy of the Son of God, starting in verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. All right, so that's where we're going to be starting, and we're going to be pulling a lot from this text. Obviously, we're, we're looking at love, we're looking at joy, hope, peace, and Christ, and all that's kind of revealed in this text. Um, and then I wanted to preface two things before I get started. Uh, first off, I got, I got up here, and I got away with wearing my beanie, so this might be the first time you ever see someone at a pulpit wearing a beanie, <laughs> so I'm excited for that. Uh, and, then, and then second, we're just going to talk about some context with Colossians. Um, Colossae was a smaller city, and it was cosmopolitan with a variety of cultures and religious influences. Uh, and it was directly, the church in Colossae was directly a result of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. So there was people that he influenced that helped plant that church in Colossae. So he was connected to that church. And... Um, He's writing this letter, it's an epistle, he's writing this letter to address a, a heresy that was starting to form among the congregation. And uh, heresy's a, a hot button word, but this one is, uh, is particularly insidious, I guess you say. It was, it was rumored to have uh, been detracting from the supremacy and the fullness of Christ as God. Uh, we, can, we can determine this from looking at the, the, the text as you go through Colossians, and, and Paul warns against multiple things like ascetic practice. He warns against angel worship. He warns against dietary regulation, gnosis, human philosophy. 
And all these things are kind of legalistic ideas, idolatry, um, even false teaching. And the warning here that we can take is uh, not to look for our salvation in our practices or in our works, in our worship, but in the object of our worship, in our creator, in Christ. And so he's, as we uh, go into this, this, this scripture that we have selected, that's going to be the scripture that's focusing on Christ. It's talking about who Christ is, what Christ has done, and the attributes of Christ. And so th- this is the, the major theme of the scripture we've selected. Uh, Christ is all. He's our king. He's our God. He's our savior. He's our creator. He's the object of our faith, our hope, our love, our joy. And for today's message, he's our peace. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start unpacking that idea of peace and what we kind of think of peace and what the Bible has to say about peace. And then I'm going to go into kind of describing that, that relationship between Christ and peace and how that operates. And so Webster defines peace as a state of tranquility, quiet, um, freedom from quarrels or disagreements, and the absence of war. And, I, and I'd say we can all agree with that. I'd say we all have uh, different conceptions of peace too. Like for me, peace is that feeling after I get done working out and I get to put my toes in the grass and get to relax. For my mom, I know peace is uh, a beachside vacation. And uh, for my dad, peace is a fishing hole, you know? And so everybody's got this different notion of peace. When you think of what, where's your peaceful place? Um, but the Bible has this different definition of peace. There's two words that are used in the Bible to describe peace. The first one being shalom. We're probably familiar with that one. It's the Hebrew word. And it, the definition for it is to be safe, sound, perfect, healthy, or complete. A state of calm without anxiety or stress. Um, the New Testament term for peace is a little bit different. It's irene. Uh, to join or bind together that which has been broken, divided, or separated. And Irene is the root of our English word, serene. Uh, So you can think of it that way. It's like utter calm, free of storms. But I really want to stress the definition of Irene because the text that we're looking at is going to be using the uh, Irene as opposed to Shalom. And so I want to repeat that again. It's to join or bind together that which has been broken, divided, or separated. And so uh, one little analogy, I guess, for peace that I really liked when I was doing my study was there was a missionary who was struggling to define peace to uh, a tribal people he was working with. And the chief of the tribe uh, kind of told him, you know, it's like having one heart. And you, you want to have one heart with God, peace with God. And so I kind of see this repeated in, uh, by the psalmist in Psalms 86:11, Teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So it's this notion of having one heart with God. Uh, And like I was saying, the Bible gives this much broader and fuller definition of peace than the world gives us. And so obviously we have Christ telling us in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this peace that God gives is, is far different than the peace that the world gives. The peace from, from, that comes from Christ is not circumstantial. It's not attached to a location, a feeling, an activity. Uh, rather, it's the eternal promises that he provides, the comfort he gives us, the reconciliation for our sins, and the salvation of our souls. And as one theologian puts it, 
it's not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Uh, and, and this peace is not just a worldly peace. It's what we can call a divine peace. It's of a divine origin and a supernatural nature. And it's, it's far disconnected from our notions of peace. So now I want to kind of start unpacking that idea of what, what role does Christ play in peace? Because we know him as the Prince of Peace. We know him as uh, that he, he ushered in an era of peace between God and man. And I want to highlight that, that, that uh, point that he's ushering in an era of peace between God and man. Not peace on earth. He, he, he said himself, I'm, I'm not coming to bring peace to mankind. Uh, and so this is specifically between God and man that he's bringing peace. In Luke, we see that at Christ's birth, right before he was coming, even the angels were, were singing to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest heaven on, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So even before he was appearing, it was prophesied in Isaiah and here with the angels Peace is uh, inseparable from Christ's nature. And so, now we're going to uh, look back at our text and kind of understand how Paul's pointing out how peace operates with Christ. So starting in verse 19, uh, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So what Paul is pointing out here is that Christ's death on the cross uh, is what gives us peace with God. Now, remember, we're talking about Irene, to repair or join together that which has been broken, divided, or separated. And so, taking that idea, let's move into the next little section on verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, you were alienated from God, you were separated from God because... Of, of your actions, of your mind, the way you're, you're going about things. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And so our relationship with God was severed at the fall of man. Our relationship with God was, was broken when we inherited a sinful nature. And, and that's what divided us from God and made us enemies of God. And so let's I want to really stress Irene. I want you guys to know this by the time you leave here. That Irene is the joining and repairing of that which has been broken. So despite this inherited sin nature, despite the sin that we're dwelling in, Jesus Christ came here to repair that relationship with God so that we might be able to stand in His presence one day, presented without blemish, holy. And so Christ has repaired our relationship. His bloodshed on the cross was like the peace treaty, if you will. In, in Christ, our debt was fully paid. And so to close this idea of how Christ operates in the relationship of peace, uh, I want to use Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so peace and Christ are inseparable. You can't have peace without Christ. And so now I kind of want to like move into application and, and how does this play into our lives and how do we find peace in our Savior? Um, one theologian put it that the real challenge of the Christian life isn't to eliminate unpleasant circumstances, but to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, sovereign, holy, powerful God in every difficulty. 
that's easy. He, he made that sound easy, but we all know how hard that can be. But there's been times in our lives where we have been in, in situations that should have destroyed us, in situations where we should have been in complete disarray, but there was a peace that was welling up in us. And, that, and that's the peace of Christ that operates in us in a supernatural way. I know in our Christian walks, many of us have experienced that. And, and now I want to talk about something that's antithetical to peace. Uh, not just because I'm saying it is, but because in, you look at the definition in Greek, uh, it's anxiety. So this, is, this was so interesting to me when I discovered this, that anxiety in Greek means to pull apart, to draw in different directions. If we remember what Irene means, because I keep saying it over and over again, it means to join or bond that which has been separated. And so anxiety is the complete opposite of peace. And how many of us have experienced anxiety in 2020? Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Everybody should be raising their hand because otherwise I need to talk to your doctor and get whatever pills they're prescribing you. <laughs> because this is just an anxious time for everybody. There's all kind of uh, anxiety lingering in the air, whether it was the elections or social injustice or COVID in general. That's enough. So I, when, when we look at anxiety and how we uh, oftentimes have anxious feelings, sometimes I think it works like, uh, God, yeah, I trust you but I'm worried that this thing is gonna destroy me. Uh, God, yeah, I trust you, but whatever's going on with COVID might ruin me. God, I, I trust you, but what's going on at work might eliminate my sanity. And we're being pulled in two directions. Like uh, in psychology, they call it cognitive dissonance, where you have these two conflicting thoughts and uh, you don't know which one to, to grab onto. So you, you're in this state of discomfort. And uh, Essentially, we're saying, God, yeah, I trust you and that all you do works for your glory and is so far beyond my understanding, but I don't think I trust you with this, though. That's, that's the reality of the, that, that kind of thinking. If we take God at his word and we truly trust him, we can put our stress and our anxiety on the shoulders of Christ. We don't have to bear that burden. He bears that burden for us. And it's so easy to say it and it's hard to live out. But this is a narrow path. This is, there's going to be struggle. There's going to be challenge. But those challenges will build us up. And they're building up uh, treasure in heaven that's so much greater than I could possibly describe. Uh, when all is said and done here, we, we have to rely on the promise that we're going to be witnessing that divine peace after this life. And even in moments during this life. And no, I'm not saying you just got to die and then you can have peace. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> But you should be finding comfort in the fact that the state of your soul is not one that is damned. Yeah. You should be finding rest in that. Yeah. And so ways you can practically prepare yourself for anxiety and, and, and how to combat that is arm yourselves with verses that reminds you of God's promises and faithfulness. That's right, that's right. Uh, preach those to yourself. Meditate on those things. Just repeat them, repeat them so that becomes part of your life. It becomes ingrained in your mind. You, you download that that word program and it, and it really sits on you. Equip yourself with healthy habits so that you can enable yourself to stay focused on God. If you're staying up all hours of the night and distracting yourself constantly with social media, whatever it might be, whatever a little vice of yours may be, you want to maintain your focus on God. Uh, you want to adjust your lifestyle so that your lifestyle is God honoring. Make time to go to Him for supplication, just, just pouring out your heart and your worries. 
just lay it out for him. And so these things that can, that can help us with, with maintaining that sense of peace in our lives and trusting in the peace that Christ gives. And then I want to uh, touch on the peace that the world gives, this notion of peace. Because oftentimes, we've, we've got to stop looking for the peace that the world gives. That peace is like a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. How many stories have you heard of people who are rich, famous, powerful, beautiful, all the above, and when they put their head on their pillow at night, all that means nothing. When their time comes to leave this world, all that means nothing. All those possessions, all that influence, it, it goes away, it's like vapor. Even in the, in the worst case scenarios, it drives some people to suicide. And so we have to stop looking for peace in sex, in social media, in fame, in big houses, in shiny cars, in opulent buffets. But you can, you can still enjoy a good buffet. You can still enjoy intimacy in the context of marriage. You can still enjoy a beautiful house. But you have to understand that you're not supposed to be putting your hope in those things. Those, those things will not bring you peace, no matter how many of those things you have. As beautiful as they are, you want to be giving God the glory for even have, giving you the opportunity to enjoy those things. And on that premise, be thankful for it. And so, like I said, those things don't provide divine peace. Only Christ can. And so, I'm coming to the close here, but I just want to share my experience with peace and how that's operated in my life. And bear with me, because... because it's an emotional thing. I'm probably oversharing, but I love you guys, and I want you to know how divine peace operates in somebody's life. I've shared it in Bible studies, but since I was young, seven years old, I've had problems with suicidal ideations, imagining killing myself. And that's oversharing for sure, but I want you guys to know how Christ has worked in my life and, and really relieved me from that pain. Um, as I, uh, at age 15, I grew up in the church and uh, I renounced my faith. And at age 15, um, that was when I renounced my faith. I decided I'm going to go figure this out my own way. I'm going to do things my own way. And so I started looking to the world for peace. And it was fun. It was cool and dandy and all that. But uh, it was like vapor because it was, it was fleeting always. Um, a lot of people say you can't really get addicted to, to marijuana. And that is, you know, you can't really get addicted to that. It's not that heavy and whatnot. But if you, if, you, if you talk to my family, the, if, you, if you knew me before I came to City Church, you knew I was addicted to marijuana. It was destroying my life. It's what caused me to drop out of college. I could barely sit in class without having the desire for an hour and a half, without having to leave class to go smoke. I was on minimum three blunts a day diet for years. It was this self-medication. It was this way... The only way that I could find peace. And really, it was the only way that I could suppress this, this desire to, to not really be here. It was the only way I could to, to, 
it was muting out my thoughts. It was muting out my emotions. I was running from things. I was constantly just running from those things. And uh, my first my first Sunday here at City Church, I was like, wow, this church is awesome. It was a, that's a whole nother story about how I uh, came back to kind of rediscovering faith. But I was like, starting to read my Bible. I was starting to talk to my parents about, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in going back to church. I want to figure this out. Um, and my first Sunday here at City Church, I was oh, this church is amazing. That was some really good preaching. The people there were so kind. And uh, that, that day I smoked my last bowl of my, of my weed. I'd, I mean, I had ran up all my money. If you get, went to my house, I, didn't, I barely had any furniture. My house was all dilapidated and stuff like you Scott knows Scott knows me he's seen me for years okay he knows he's seen me on the porch for years and as far as I, I was concerned City Church was the uh the place it was on Sundays the people out here would hog up the street because I live right at the end of the street so as far as I knew City Church was where people were hogging up the street taking up taking up uh the whole parking and all this and so that Monday was my first day I was trying to be clean off weed. And it, I've been smoking every day for years, uh, eight years. And I was, I was stressed out. I made it through the early half of the day. I could do that. But when 7 o'clock came around, that was my habitual routine. Okay, I need, a, I need a smoke. So the first thing I could think to do was I just need to get this anxious energy out. I need to go on a run. And so I, I run down the street. And as soon as, I, as soon as I walk out my door, I'm in tears. I'm just crying the whole time I'm running down the street. And uh, as, I, as I passed the building, um, something in me moved and was like, go in that building. There's somebody in there who can help you. And uh, I walked. I didn't know where I was going. I just walked down the hallway. And that Monday night was the Spanish class here at City Church. And Pastor Mark was, for whatever reason, Providence, absolutely, was sitting by, right next to the door. And I popped my head in the door, and I'm just looking, and the, the only person I can see, I'm all red-faced, teary-eyed, Pastor Mark's sitting right there. And uh, he sees me, he walks out with me, he takes me onto the, the steps. What's wrong, son, what's wrong? He had just met me the day before for the first time, telling him, I'm going through this thing, I just read this scripture, you can only have, uh, you can't have two masters. You can only have one master because you will learn to love one more than the other. Yeah. So I'm like struggling with this. I'm telling him, he's like asking me, Let, have you committed your life to Christ? I said, yeah, but you know what? I probably could do it. I could probably do it again. I could probably give, give, it, a, give it a better shot this time. And so he prayed with me on those steps. And literally, by the grace of God, only, only through a miracle, that day was the last day I had smoked. And that might seem insignificant. Oh, you quit smoking, whatever, whatever, whatever. But for me, if you knew me like my parents knew me, if you knew me like Scott knew me, you'd know that was a miracle. Okay? You'd know who I was. And, uh... This loops back around into where I was finding my peace through smoking. I was using it to suppress all those hard emotions. Yeah. 
that I felt for so long. Well, now I was finding that peace in Christ. And it was that divine peace, that Irene, where I had been able to have that relationship repaired with God and started feeding into my life. And uh, days are hard. I go through periods of depression. I go through hard moments. And I, of course I have struggles like everybody else. But the pervading truth is that at the end of the day, my bong can't love me back like Christ can. That, that my bong can't speak to me like the word can. But I guess that depends on how much I smoke. I guess my bong could start speaking to me. But, but my bong can't speak to me like the word can. And there's this, there's these lyrics from a song I really like that even your dreams can't love you back. Even your dreams can't love you back. Even all the things you place your highest hope in can't love you back. So the only place we can really retrieve peace from is Christ. And it's inseparable from Christ. So thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. Let's pray. And I'll pass it over to Pastor Mark. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your power and the divine peace that pours out of you. Lord, let that peace reign in our lives. That when we experience struggles and anxiety, and when we're confronted with trials, Lord, we look to you, we look to your promises, we look to your salvation, we look to your word, Lord, first, before we look to the things of this world. Because the peace you give is so different than the peace the world gives. Thank you, thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your loving kindness. Have mercy on us sinners. I praise your name. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, God.